Hallelujah. Give us some praise. Give us some praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our love. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's worthy of the dances. He's worthy of the praises. He's worthy of every voice. Let all of the earth, let every creature on earth praise his name forever. Exalt, extol, extol the name of the Lord. Extol the name of the Lord. There's no greater name. No greater name on earth. No greater name in heaven. He is greater than all. Lord, I pray, God. Lord. Lord, I ask you, God, that you would give us fresh revelation of who you are, Jesus. Lord, that we would see you in a greater light, a greater light, Lord. Like your word says, from glory to glory, may our sight of you grow bigger and bigger, greater and greater, God. I pray that today in this word, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would know your heart, Lord, on how to submit to you and how to resist the works of the enemy. God, I pray for everyone in this place, Lord, that we would exalt you, Lord. Not just on Sunday, Lord, not just on our life group days, but Lord, every day throughout the week, Lord, that our lives would be for your glory. That we would simply point people to you. That we would fix our eyes on your beauty, Lord, and we would be moved to obey you, God. Lord, have your way in this service. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Praise God. Everyone give a hand clap for Jesus. God is so good. God is so good. Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise International. I'm not your typical Joe. I'm about a foot shorter. I have a darker beard than him. But Joe, he's out. He's doing the work, right, in Florida where it's not cold. But I'm here preaching instead, okay? So good to see you guys. Some of you may not know who I am. Some of you should because this is my service. I just want to let you know, man, P. Joe, he's pretty awesome for preaching two services because when I sat down in the office, I felt it. I was like, man. So thank God for a pastor who's willing to preach two services. I felt that. But I'm so glad to be here. Uh, let me just introduce myself for those who don't know me. Uh, I will make it quick, make it brief. Uh, my name is Joseph Bonilla. I'm the youth director at Elevate Chicago. Elevate! Elevate! Uh, and like I like it was mentioned earlier, that's on Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, I've been coming to this church since I was 16. And even though I was a youth, I didn't really care about God. God kept me here. And when I was 18, right around uh, this area right here that we call the altar, there was an altar call for freedom. I went up there knowing that I needed freedom from my sin. And I asked the Lord to set me free. I felt a weight off my shoulders. That weight was sin, condemnation, but also addictions to pornography, depression, anger, perversion. God has set me free. And I've been serving him ever since. Amen? Amen. And I just want to boast on, on what God is doing in this church. You know, we, we, uh, we mentioned how there is a church plant going on. We mentioned our vision, our strategy, our goal. And I just want to let you know, myself, I'm one of the many evidences that what we're doing, God is in it. And he's working. Amen. I, I was a hopeless teenager. The Lord took a hold of me, and he made me a preacher of his gospel. 
Amen. And now, you know, I'm, I, I come as a servant, right? Nothing greater, but I'm a child. Like, God really does work through this church. So I just want to encourage you, if you're testing out the church, if you have came here through our, uh, before, because we were on the news and everything, uh, and you're still testing out, I want to encourage you, get plugged in, get connected. Really, it, it's a great thing that God is doing here. Uh, but as I move along, I just want to mention the title for today, Submit and Resist. Can everyone say submit? Can everyone say resist? Submit and resist. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, for some of you that have been coming here for a while, you'll notice that when COVID did hit, uh, we went and we shut down for about a month because we wanted to see what was going on. So we had online services. In the meantime, though, Joe, uh, P. Joe, our pastor, he preached about civil disobedience in Romans 13. It was a great word, uh, and it was to the deacons, I believe, and uh, the two owners and the one owners that came. So a lot of people didn't hear it. But he, really, he mentioned a lot of what I'm going to mention today, uh, and some of it he didn't mention, but it was very important then, and it is very important now, and it will be even more important with, for the years to come. But the question to get you guys started today is, is it wrong for a Christian to resist government? Is it wrong for a Christian to resist government? In today's political world, Christians are reminded to submit and play nice with the systems that they're in, even if it leaves them and their faith in jeopardy. They're told to play nice, submit. But we have to look back. We have to look back, and we have to see how the church in the Bible was able to resist while remaining true to their calling to be like Christ. Everyone say, submit and resist. So today, we're going to be reading out of Romans chapter 13. Now, for some of you that have, uh, you know, been in the church for a while, have been reading the scriptures, you read Romans 13, and you have heard it maybe repeated multiple times about how we in this society, we need to submit to the government. Whatever it says, we need to submit, that we shouldn't resist, and they'll drop Romans 13 on us. But there needs to be some context brought with Romans 13. Before I go on, I want to just divulge into what's going on with America and then what's going on with Rome, uh, the Roman Empire uh, when, Rome, uh, when Paul is writing. So the author is Paul. He is writing Romans. This is not someone who was born in America, 21st century. So a lot of times people go into Romans 13 and they just drop it anywhere. Like, hey man, like you still have church service? What are you doing? Romans 13. Oh man, dude, you... You tell people that it's a sin to be homosexual? Don't you know that that's discrimination? Don't you know the government has kind of said that already? Like, don't you know what we're doing with, uh, with the act that Biden is uh, administering? Romans 13, right? Romans 13 will be dropped from many situations, but what we have to do is we have to understand when and why Romans 13 was written by Paul. So for some of you that don't know, if you've been living under a rock, we got a new president, right? President Biden, I just mentioned him, right? And not a lot of hand claps. It's all right. Not a lot of hand claps. It's okay. Biden, the new president, why is he president? Ultimately, we have to give, we have to look to God. We're going to see that in Romans 13. We're going to look to God. However, also we have to look at what's been happening recently with the riots that, that uh, took place in the summer. Was that many Christians were saying that's okay with the riots that people are angry, quoting Martin Luther King, that a unheard voice, uh, the, vo the right is the voice of the unheard. Everybody seen that quote before? Right? So they'll use many, uh, many maybe Christian influence, influences, they use many 
uh, ideas in the Bible. I had one guy say that because Egypt was plundered by the Israelites when God set them free, that we can plunder now. I argued one dude in that because there was a riot in the brickyard. So a lot of people using the scripture to justify the riots that happened in the summer. Before that, in COVID, when they were telling people that you can't worship in your house because, hey, you could spread COVID, house churches, man, they had to stop. And people that were like, you know, admin about the government, they were saying, listen, Romans 13, you got to listen. If you don't listen, you're in disobedience. You're not listening to what Paul's saying here. But what is really Paul saying here? We have to go back. We have to look. We have to look at Rome. What was, who, what was Rome? Who was Rome when Paul was writing it? So I'm going to just, don't worry, I won't give a history lesson about American Rome. I'm not going to bore you guys. My youth here are going to be like, man, dude, I should have just went to school instead. Not going to do that. Don't worry. But we do have to understand who Paul's speaking to. Uh, Paul speaking to a church in Rome. Rome was an empire in the first century. So Rome was an empire, and their leader, which was their emperor, was considered to be godlike, even named the Son of God, even named the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Their leaders were, la- were named that at a certain point in the first century. And this is unlike America, right, because the emperor had like almost total control after Caesar, like a dictatorship. America, we have checks and balances, we have checks and balances. We have a Senate. We have a House. We have a Constitution, right? Even though some presidents make executive orders that bypass that at times, we can always impeach them, right? Proof what just happened to Donald Trump. He was impeached twice, right? But you see that. That wouldn't happen back then, just to be honest. That wouldn't happen. You couldn't speak about the leader of the, the world at that time like that. So there's a little bit of a difference with the government. However, what is alike is that it's a pluralistic society. That means there's multiple types of views on religion, different gods, different classes. You had people that are slaves, people that were freedmen, people that were workers, were rich. So you had lots of different types of people there. And that's just like America. America was called the melting pot. So we have to understand that just like them, we also have different views, different beliefs. Now, the difference with the government and the people is that they were like mixed, entangled in religious rights. The Emperor was called as sometimes the high priest of the pagan religions. So you may worship Zeus, you may worship Artemis, you may worship uh, Hermes, but I'm the high priest of your priest. And that's how he took in, his, uh, in the religion, right? Now, America, we think differently about religion. We have church and separ- uh, we have separation of church and state. So the, govern- the government, you know, Donald Trump's not going to come out of nowhere and be like, I'm the son of God, listen to me, all you churches. He's not going to do that. Biden wouldn't do that either. He can't. That's where the separation is. Now, with the government, they were looked at as saviors. Matter of fact, the Greek word for where we get savior, soter, comes from what they would call the government. They would call them saviors. So they provided peace and security for the nation. So because of them, they thought the nation prosperous. So they thought because of the government, the nation was prosperous. So who did they give the glory to when everything went well? The government. Because Augustus, or the emperor of that time, he brought peace and security. But this is very similar to America. Because we look to peace and security to them. When all of COVID was happening, right, it didn't matter how mixed uh, opinions we got from the government, we always went to the government. We always went, how can we be safe? How can we have peace? How can we have security? We always went to our politicians. Teach us, Lord. Save us, Lord. That's what people were really saying. 
And that's no different than what, what they were doing. Now, how many of you ever heard about the history of persecution, right, that the church has gone through, right? Raise, a hand, raise your hand if you have, right? The church has been persecuted for years. Now, they were persecuted here, but it wasn't as bad as it got before. Nero was the, uh, after, Nero was the emperor. Nero's crazy. For some of you that don't know Nero, he killed his own mama, and he killed his own wife. And while, this is a story that while Rome was burning, he was playing his instrument while all of Rome was burning. And what did he do after it burned? He blamed it on the Christians. So we have to understand is that at this time, there's tension building up. When Paul is writing Romans, he's writing it to a Christian congregation that's mostly Gentiles. The Jews were actually kicked out of Rome. Why were they kicked out? They were kicked out because of riots and revolts around this guy named Crestus. Crestus. What does Crestus sound like? Christ. And that was, very, that was a common thing. They would mispronounce these names. They do that a lot. So if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of riots and revolts around the name of Christ. And the Roman Empire is annoyed because they want peace and security. So they got to kick out these troubled Jewish people. While the Jews are out, the Gentiles are getting saved. So there's a conflict there. There's a lot of tension between the government, the Christians, the Jewish people. And in the middle of all that is Romans chapter 13. Paul is trying to get Christians to learn how to live with each other within this government that is not necessarily, you know, perfect. And what government is perfect? What government is perfect? Right? So let's read Romans chapter 13. Uh, 1 through 7, it says here, let everyone be subject, everybody say subject, to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant. Everybody say, God's servant. For your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are, everybody say it, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. Sorry for some of you that think uh, taxes are theft. Paul right here is saying pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Praise God for his word. So first thing we should keep mind of, if we go to Romans chapter, if we go to verse 1, please. Verse 1 says, Everyone be subject. What does it mean to be subject now? What does it mean to be subject? Well, really, we get the idea it's to willingly put yourself under the control of something. When the disciples were all excited because they were casting out demons, they came to Jesus like, Jesus, Jesus, look, 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 man, even the demons are subject to us. So we have to understand that same word used for the demons being subject to the disciples, that's the same word for us being used to be subject to the government. It is willingly saying, you tell me what to do, and I will listen. We are subject to the government. Now, they are from God. The government is an institution from God. That is what Paul is saying here. 
So the institution is not, it's, it's, uh, it's not just voted in. They're not, even though we vote them in, even though a lot of times the emperor was killed and replaced, and you look throughout history, you see God's providence, you see a lot of people going, people falling, people rising, and the circumstances aren't what dictate who's in power, it's God. That's what this is saying in a sense. God, he's the one that institutes it. Now, what is Paul saying then? He's saying that we just ought to do what is right. We have to do what is right. If we can go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 14, he's saying since this government, we should need to be subject to this government. It is from God. We need to do what is right. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. And actually, let's go a little bit higher. Uh, actually, no, 13 to 14 is good. Who is going to harm you? Now, Peter's an apostle. Just to let you guys know, P, uh, Paul's an apostle. Peter's an apostle. This is the same Peter that when Jesus was going to get arrested, he pulled out that sword. He said, Slap! right, cut the dude's ear off. That's, that's the dude who's talking right now. So understand that. Let's, let's, let's know who we're listening to. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So who is Paul saying we, should, we, can, uh, we can be frightened by? Who is Paul saying that we should not fear? Well, it's the people or the governments or anyone that would put fear in Christians. When COVID was happening, do not fear COVID. Right? When the riots were happening, do not fear the rioters. When the government was saying churches need to be shut down, we're going to fine you. Do not fear the government. In China, when they arrest the Christians, do not fear them. Do not be frightened. You see, Peter's uh, uh, encouraging us. He's elaborating that God, right, is powerful. God has saved us. We are, he's on our side. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. Don't be full of fear. He wants us to be bold, and we'll continue with that because Peter and Paul, they're reflecting each other, complimenting each other very well in these two passages. If we go back to Romans chapter, uh, chapter 9, please. Thank you. Or chapter 13, sorry. So one thing that we understand is that when he says, uh, Peter, when Peter said, uh, who would suffer for doing good, right? He's saying that as almost like a rhetorical question. He's saying it as a rhetorical question. Who would suffer for doing good? Who suffers for doing good? It's kind of like what you tell your kids, right? If you do what's right, nothing's bad's going to happen to you, right? You won't get in trouble with the teacher if you just listen. How many of you were told that? See, man, I, I'm not going to lie. My friend would talk, and then I would get in trouble for him talking. I, that's my story, and I stick to it 20 years later. But who's going to suffer for doing good? Are you going to get arrested for doing something good if you're eager to do it? No, you wouldn't, right? That's what, Paul, that's what Peter's saying. So understand that Peter and Paul, they're speaking to Christians in a world that pers where persecution is uncommon. Not really that crazy, right? Not really that uh, normal. It's actually normal still that if you do good and if you do what is right, you won't be in trouble. So we have to understand that. Well, he's not speaking to a society that if you open your church doors, you're going to get arrested. He's not speaking to a society like that. He's not speaking to a society that you're looked and frowned upon, right, if you just simply say a man is a man and a woman is a woman. He's not speaking to that type of society. He's speaking to a society if you just simply do what is good, you just live by the truth, you'll be, you'll be fine, fine and dandy. Nothing wrong will happen, right? And then he says if you do suffer what is good, I mean, be blessed. But that is exactly what Paul is talking about here. Because 
when we look at what Paul is saying, what does he call the government? He calls them whose servants? God's servants. So who does the government serve? Who does the government serve? God. We have to understand that that uh, everyone should be subject, but because subjection depends on who the person or the government is serving. So the only reason we serve the government is because they serve God. That's the only reason. That's what Paul is alluding to here. If we go back to verses uh, 4 through 6. For, it, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants. Understand this. Where it says, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason, then we go after, and it says, therefore, uh, they are God's servants. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities. Not only as, uh, when it says, for and therefore, understand that Paul is actually getting us to think logically. He's actually thinking like, hey, so the reason why we are subjected, the reason why we listen is not just because I told you so. There's actually a reason why we are listening to these people called the government. It's because they were put here by God, and they are God's servants for your good. Then he also says this. If we, uh, uh, verse 5, therefore it is necessary. Everybody say necessary. Why is it necessary to submit to the authorities, Paul? Not only because of punishment, but also a matter of conscience. So we submit to authority because of punishment and conscience. Why was Peter saying we should not fear? Why is Paul saying right here, if you do wrong, be afraid? For rulers bear the uh, sword for no reason. What well, has to do with punishment and conscience? You see, because I don't know if you know this, but Christ was crucified privately. No one saw him. That's wrong, right? Christ was crucified publicly. Publicly. Christians were killed publicly. Criminals were executed publicly. So if you as a Christian saying you love Jesus, you live for him, you publicly do something wrong, and you get punished for it, what you're going to do is you're going to bring shame upon the name of Christ and his church. So if you as a Christian acting like a fool, and then now you say the government or the police is the problem, yet you were acting like a fool, Paul is basically saying that's your fault. Peter's basically saying that's what happens. You're bringing shame upon us. And Paul is constantly bringing this idea to the churches of outward presentation. He's not saying you can just present yourself in any type of way to the world. But we have to present ourselves as appealing to the world. If you're in traffic and someone cuts you off and you're like, hold up. And then you're like, get out the car, open the window, you start cussing dude out and you're starting to disturb the peace. Then that's an issue. That has nothing to do with the government if they arrest you and put you in jail. That's your fault. That's your fault. If you get in a fight because you're rude and because you don't know how to uh, love people, that's your fault. That is your fault. So we have to understand that Paul, he's, he's, he's telling us we have to, it's necessary because of punishment conscience. What about our conscience? Anybody ever been speeding before? Everybody should be raising their hand. Everybody who drives, because you know, all y'all know, you've sped before. I've been in the car with some of you, and I know you speed. I know you speed. I know you guys, you hit the gas, it's gone. You're gone, it's over. Okay, so when you're driving, right, let's say you're late somewhere. It's 35, and you're like, all right. You start putting that gas, I can go 40. 
And you're like, I got to get there. Someone's in front of you. You swerve. You're driving on the bike lane. Then you cut forward. And you're like, dang, I'm still going to be late. Man, 35 still. I'm already going 40. I'm going to go 45. You start getting that 45. And you're driving. Then all of a sudden you see just pull up right, uh, right at the intersection of the cop car. You, right? And we're, what are you doing now? You're going 20. You're going 18. You're going 17. Matter of fact, now the cop's going to pull you over because you're driving too slow. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me. I'm not going to lie. But you see, how many times does that happen? And you know in your conscience you're doing something wrong, so you're afraid. There's a fear of the authority. So as Christians, we, we aren't actually supposed to live in fear of the authority. When we see the police while we're driving, we're not supposed to sweat and get nervous. Amen? Amen. You're not supposed to. I had to remind myself that before. I remember when I would see the police while driving, my, uh, and I would just get nervous. I was like, and I'm like just scared. My wife's like, what's going on? You don't got anything in your car or anything. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just nervous. You're not supposed to live in fear. See, Paul wants us to be free from fear of the authority. And we'll get to the reason why, other than, you know, clean conscience, you know, no guilt. Because the only people who are guil- uh, feel guilty and think guilty are guilty people. And that's what Paul's trying to help. He's trying to relieve us of that guilt. Relieve us of this presentation of a wicked church. And a, a, a church that can actually fit into society. That can, that can make your community better, right? In a sense, with how they behave and how they act. So we understand that. Now, if we go a little bit lower to 7 and 8, it says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you, uh, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. What this basically means is that you give people what you owe them. That means they pull up their end of the bargain. We do ours. Because it doesn't say give everyone respect. It says if you owe them respect. If you owe them. There's an owing there. So if they are or if they are carrying their end of the bargain, this is, how, this is how covenants are too. We have to understand that this is nothing new that Paul is speaking on. If you go back to the law, God was saying, hey, Israelites, if you, if you don't like worship these random golden calves and you don't like, you know, have those nasty little parties that you had when I came back, when Moses came back from the temple, I'm going to keep my end of the bargain, right? It, it, it's, that's how it works. We're in a relationship with the government in a sense. And if they do what they're supposed to do, we'll do what, our, what we're supposed to do. So... What Paul is saying is, in uh, 9, 8 through 14, if we can get, pick that up on Logos, what does that look like, though, right? To show honor, to show respect, to be subject to the government in this society that is not really Christian. Well, it looks like, if we, uh, if we scroll down a little bit in Romans chapter 8, it looks like this. Let no debt remain outstanding. Now, he was just talking about taxes and revenue. He's... He's consistent with that thought about money. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others have fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. We all know this. This is the law. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So we see kind of like the principle behind being subject to the government, the principle behind doing what is right, it's love. It's the love. It's the fulfillment of the law. Christ fulfilled the law. And the way that we partake in that fulfillment is if we love one another. Now, here's another backdrop of Paul's thinking. 
Right here it says, uh, if we scroll down to verses 11 to 14, it says, and do this, you see the day is near, and do this understanding the present time. What is the present time? Because a lot of people read verses, they don't think we're talking about this time. But no, Paul is talking about his present time. That was thousands of years ago. He's talking about his present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of the light. Can someone give me water too, please? Let us behave decently. Oh, thank you. Shout out to my wife. Amen. Just want to mention that we serve together. She's awesome. She's the best disciple maker I have ever seen. Period. All right. She's awesome. If you have anyone that is a lady that's under 18, that's the girl to go to. Raise your hand, babe. So they know you got little, you got nieces, you got cousins, you got sisters. They need someone to, to lift them up, to encourage them. She's awesome. Enough boasting about my wife. We'll continue. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So we understand that this is the backdrop. People drop Romans 13, 1 through 7 like an atom bomb, right? Just boom. Right? But then they don't go to the verses after. When we preach the gospel and people get angry and people are irritated and everything, you know, people just drop that. But they don't read it after. We are loving people. We are acknowledging that the day is near. We're not in debauchery or sexual morality or dissension and jealousy. We're just simply living like Christ. We're living like Christ when we do this. So, so I've loved my neighbor. I have not committed adultery. I've not stolen. I've not theft, not co- nor covet. So that means... I mean, I'm being, I'm being pretty subject to the government. I'm not causing them any problems that would contradict what I'm doing. So right there and then, we understand. Paul is telling us how to be subject to the government. And why? Lord, Jesus is coming back. He didn't think Jesus was coming back in two weeks, two years, two millennia. He thought Jesus might come back today, tomorrow. See, it's closer than when you first believed, and that's true for all of us here. Jesus' return is closer than when you first believed. Way closer. Now, so we have to live in that light. Really quick question. Have I said, has I, have I said anything controversial? No, right? I haven't said anything controversial. Because I've just been talking about submission, being subject to the government. Right? It's like, man, you guys are like, man, I already know that, man. Be a good Christian. Yeah, 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 okay. All right. Here's the thing, though. What's controversial about this is that you know who's writing this? Someone who's locked up constantly. Someone who's locked up constantly. I mean, that man was in and out of jail so much. Yeah, he's writing this. And then you know who was writing the other one? Peter. Peter got arrested, told, hey, man, don't preach the gospel. Don't do that. Then he gets out. He's like, all right, repent. (laughs) Believe in Christ. The minute he got out. That's what's controversial about this because the same people that are saying be, be, uh, be nice, be kind, be loving, make sure that you're not bothering the government, right, are the same people that did that exact same thing. Same exact thing. So, so is there a contradiction? Is there, is there a problem? Is Paul, is Paul like changing his mind or, or being double-minded? Is he in prison like, dang, bro, I really regret being in prison. Hey, bro, just chill. Respect. 
Respect the popo, man. Don't go crazy. All right, hey, hey, Prisker's your guy, bro. All right, Prisker for life, right? No, he's not, he's not doing that. What he's doing is he's helping us navigate through this world. He's helping us be shrewd, be smart, because he and Peter are speaking in a time where the government is God's servants. Do you understand that? They are God's servant for our good. If we could put up that slide, please, sir, or go back to the notes and scroll down. Thank you. So I made a graph. I'm not that good at graphs. I plan on getting better, all right? But this is, I think, very simple, all right? Present the horizontal line is a receiving thing. You can zoom out a little bit. Just scroll down and zoom out, please. Go down. No, okay. Thank you. Right there, right there. Just leave it like that for now, and then you can, I'll tell you when to zoom in, sir. So submit right? Resist. When do we submit? Well, present the horizontal line is the receiving. So God gives instruction to the government, and now the government governs us according to what God has said to them. And when I say us, I mean the saints, those who are following Jesus. So when they are listening to God or trying to heed to what God is saying about how to treat us, we submit. We submit because they're for our good. We resist when God is telling them something. He's trying to establish his kingdom. But guess who's trying to establish the kingdom at the same time? The kingdom of man. You see, when the kingdom of man resists the kingdom of God, we resist the kingdom of man. When the kingdom of man is ignoring the kingdom of God, we ignore the kingdom of man. When the kingdom of man refuses to do good for us, they've lost our bargain. We don't do good for them. So we have to understand that. We have to understand that it's not kumbayas all the time. It's not passing out cakes and cookies with Lori all the time. That's not what it is. So is the government like this, though? Right now, is the government like this? Well, there's some debate, right? We don't know when the government's going to start going crazy like it did with Nero. We don't know. But it's like that in North Korea. It's like that in China. It's getting like that here. It's getting like that here. Now, I'm not saying, like, Persecution has different degrees, and people don't understand that. Jesus said if you're mocked, if you're ridiculed, if people say all types of things about you, if you're persecuted, you are blessed. A lot of people don't understand that. People just think persecution, that's why they're asleep. People think persecution happens overnight. No, it's a gradual thing. It happens with ruler after ruler after ruler builds up. So what many people in the church are realizing is like, hey, what I believe is becoming less acceptable in my culture I'm being mocked. I'm blessed. Being real cool. I'm, I'm blessed. How long before I'm persecuted? I mean, we already have in Canada, people were preaching the gospel and they were put in jail. They were fined. You see, so it is getting there where the government doesn't want to do good for us. Churches have to be ready because when Biden plants, uh, puts his bill in and, and let's say we can't have tax exempt unless we say, hey, you know, we affirm homosexual pastors. A homosexual can be a pastor in our church. If you don't do that, if you don't agree with that, we're going to take that tax exempt away. Well, that's where they're not keeping our end of the bargain. Separation of church and state. They're not keeping their end of the bargain. Where, hey, listen, you stay out of my business and I won't all of a sudden come to the Capitol and start rebuking every member in there. So right now we have to think. When do I submit? When do I resist? And I'll, keep it, I'll, I'll be real simple. When, they, when we are trying to spread the kingdom of God and they try to stop it, it's plain and simple. It's plain and simple. If we are trying to establish the kingdom of God and they are trying to block the kingdom of God, if they are trying to prohibit the kingdom of God, then that's when we resist. 
That's when we resist. If we want to follow our Christ, then we're not always going to play nice. We're not always going to listen to the rules. We're not always going to be subject to the government. If we're going to follow the example of Paul and Peter, then we have to look at them. Christ was crucified by the government. Why? Because he was king, plain and simple. Plain and simple, he was called king, king of the Jews. Who was the king of the Jews at that time? Well, you would look at what the Romans put in, Herod. Everybody know Herod, right? That fox? Everybody know Herod? Everybody should, right? Herod was half Jew, half Gentile. It was almost like, uh, it was almost like, uh, like the, the token. He was the token Jew. That's what it was. They were like, hey, he's a Jew. Listen to him since he's Jewish. He's going to rule over you guys. The Jews didn't like that, though. And they constantly got into riots and revolts. Jesus comes in. He's having followers. you got to understand. People are like, well, Jesus only had 12 followers. Dude, at, at times he had 5,000, 3,000. I'd be sweating if I was Herod too. This dude could bust off an army. So Jesus was called the king of the Jews. Romans were mad. So when Jews presented Jesus saying that, I mean, it's no wonder they crucified him. But Christ was crucified nevertheless. Uh, Paul, Peter constantly put in jail, constantly uh, calling out the government. We have to understand that if we are to follow the example of our, our, our not only our apostles, but our Lord, dude, it's, we're going to have to call someone a fox one time. Obviously, we're not going to call Lori Lightfoot a fox now because in context, that would be weird, right? But a crook, but a liar. What about when uh, Pelosi, when she goes, she shuts out all these salons, but then she goes to get her hair done with no mask? You're a crook. You're a phony. You don't deserve your position. You're not my servant. That's when the resistance comes. When they start putting these mandates and requirements that they themselves refuse to follow. When they start to control in order to dictate what we can do, that's when we say no. Now, here's the thing. Paul, Peter, Jesus. What were they trying to do? Were they trying to just be like bogus and petty? They weren't. They were trying to establish the kingdom of God. So understand what I said. The kingdom of God has no concern for the kingdom of man. The kingdom of God has no concern for the kingdom of man. That means America, the kingdom of God is not concerned with their concern. It's not. What you're trying to build here, America, God is not concerned with it. What he's concerned with is what he's trying to build here. That's what he's concerned with. That's what he's concerned with. Now, if we can go to Acts chapter 19, 17 to, th- uh, to 20. Acts chapter 19, 17 to 20. What Jesus said to, uh, what Jesus said to his disciples, and when you're there, you go back to the slide, about authorities and rulers. He says, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. We have to understand this, that Jesus always meant for Christians to be speaking to people in power. Always. Always. It's no coincidence that Paul ended up speaking to governors. It's no coincidence that Peter was speaking to synagogue leaders who were surprised he was even there to begin with. He called Peter and and John uneducated men. Uneducated men, yet they're speaking to synagogue educated leaders, telling them to repent and follow Jesus. 
You see, God always intended that to be that way. Jesus wants us to be there. And what does he want us to say? What do we do? How do we get there? We go to Acts chapter 19, 17 to 20. Just so that we're following along. Everyone should be subject because, right, they're God's servants. Amen? Everybody understand that? Everyone's following along. Now we're going to talk about how we resist and when we resist. So first and foremost, when do we resist? If actually you can go to, is that the right verse? Got it wrong in first service, so I want to make sure I get it right here. Yes, that's the right verse. Thank you, TJ. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome story. It's one of my favorite. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. But Paul, he's preaching. He, there's a miracle that happens, and people are going crazy. People are going wild. He does it publicly so people see it and they know it. And, and this is what happens, right? And this is in Ephesus, so if you, if you want to know what happens in Ephesians, how the church started in Ephesians, look here. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, the preaching, the miracle, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the, the, name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. This is revival. This is revival. They're confessing their sins in public. Imagine, imagine. They're just straight like someone, uh, Paul is preaching. There's a miracle. They're like, oh my gosh, what this dude is saying is true. And they start repenting. They're saying, man, dude, you know, imagine the guy who cheated on his wife. Imagine the guy who's stealing from his neighbor. He's like, dude, I've sinned. I did this. I did that. Revival is happening. People are confessing what they've done. Jesus is forgiving them, right? The gospel, awesome stuff, right? Now, a number who had practiced sorcery, this is where it gets controversial. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together. They brought all their manuscripts, all their, all their things that they do, right? And what are the scrolls for? It's information about their gods. They brought them together and burned them publicly, when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 dragmas. Dude, that's several million dollars. Several million dollars. That's crazy. I mean, you see that many zeros, you're freaking out. But you know how many days you have to work to get that? In our day, that's 50,000 days of working. 50,000. And, the, and, that, and this way, the Lord, the way of the, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You see, the kingdom of God, right? And I understand where what's happening here. Let's say we're in that time. Let's say we're the, the Ephesians, right? Let's say Will he owns an idol shop, an idol shop for Artemis, right? The goddess of hunt, uh, hunting. Let's say. Kelvin owns another idol shop for Zeus. And let's say Lawrence, what he owns is the scrolls for both of them, okay? So I'm just an Ephesian, and I worship both Zeus, and I worship both Artemis. So I need my idols, so I go to Kelvin, I go to Will. But you know what? I need scrolls to read about these idols, read about these gods. So then I go to Lawrence. They all made money this way. They all benefit off of it. Matter of fact, this is how Rome and many of the, the provinces in it actually prospered. It's because everyone was following these gods and making money off them. Their whole economy was based on this. All of their money was based on this. How they lived, their way of life, everything revolved around the idols. So this is crazy what Paul is doing. And we see that. If we go, uh, continue down, please. Oh, right there, right there. After all this had happened... 
Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia. Uh, we'll keep going, actually. Go to verse 23. So there's revival in Ephesus. I just said that. But there's also riot in Ephesus. Because it says, about that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius. Demetrius mad right here. He's big mad. Who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. Okay, so there had to be people to craft these idols. That was their livelihood, crafting these idols. He called them together along with the workers and related trade and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray a number of people here in Ephesus. And in practically the whole province of Asia, dude's causing a mess. And he says, the God, he says speaking of Paul, that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. He said, Paul said, this guy said over here that these gods that we worship made by human hands, they're no gods at all. Do you understand that what he just disrespected, Paul? He just went at their culture. He just went at their tradition. He went at their mama's, you know, prayers and breakfast time. You know, he went at everybody and everything that they love about them, their identity. See, Paul just went at everything in their society by saying this one statement. By saying this one statement, he just wrecked it all. This is what I want you to know, that the gospel has no concern for the prosperity of a nation. The gospel has no concern for the prosperity of a nation. Paul was not concerned that if I go over here and they stop making idolatries, uh, making idols, they're not going to be as successful and rich. Paul wasn't concerned about that. He wasn't. It wasn't like, man, I'm really going to ruin their day. I'm really going to bother them, goodness gracious. Let me just be quiet. Let me tell them that their gods made by human hands are not my God. You just have a different God. No. He said they're no God at all. See, Paul was willing to mess up their whole system and flip it upside down. He was willing to do that. Paul was willing to do that because he knew that the gospel was not concerned with the prosperity of the Ephesians. And I want to let you know today that the gospel is not concerned with the prosperity of Americans. If this country, if this nation prohibits the gospel and its work, best believe there is no bargain being kept here. We are not subjecting to them. And this has been seen already in this church. We have a brother named James who he started a witchcraft ministry to reach out to uh, witches in, the, in Chicago. I never knew there were that many witches. I never knew. Literally 500 comments at a time, each picture. It could be a Bible verse like, man, Jesus loves all of you. Boom, man, I'm going to cast demons all over you. I'm going to curse you out. When I drink blood tonight, I'm going to be cursing your name. It's crazy stuff. And I'm over here like, dude, what is going on here? I had no idea there was this type of world. But you got to understand what they're mad at. One lady said, this is my business. This is the way I make a living. So you come over here and you preach this Jesus is Lord and that we're demon-possessed? That's going to ruin my life. See, many Christians, when this is said, will be like, oh, my bad. My bad. Keep walking. I'm going to just stick to Sunday service. I don't got no problems. When I, when I come 20 minutes and I leave in 20 minutes, ain't no problems with that. I don't want no problems. But you see, if Paul was there, he would say the gospel is not concerned with that. You see, when the gospel is preached to the community... That community is met with something that is against what they believe. It's called the kingdom of God. And that is why I said the kingdom of God is not concerned with the kingdom of man. 
What you're trying to do for your life, what you're trying to build, what you're trying to establish, if the kingdom is not in it, God can do without it. Understand that. Understand that. So we have to get it. We have to understand it's, it, it's not time to be nice. It's not time to say, okay, my bad, I didn't mean to bother you this morning. I didn't mean to bother you today. I'm sorry, go ahead, continue with your work, sir. It's not time for that. It's time to preach. It's time to preach. Man, but I really don't want to be a bother. You're making Christians look bad. So you're saying right now Paul was making Christians look bad. Are you saying right now that Paul was making Christians look bad? Are you going to say that Jesus was making himself look bad? Come on, snap out of it. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Stop snoozing. Stop snoozing. You're walking hand in hand with the government. Listen, I was wondering, just like with churches, if they see these passages and they just look wrong right by them, like how do they even see, like don't you want to see that? But the reason why they don't is because this next passage. See, the gospel not just has no concern about the prosperity of a community, but it has no concern about the prosperity of the apostle. Understand that. Understand, he had no, no type of concern. Why? And I'll tell you, if we go to Acts chapter 24, verses 24 to 27. You see, because like I was saying before, Jesus intended for us to reach authorities, rulers, governors. How do we get there? How do we get there? It's with stuff like that. When we start saying, hey, those gods you worship, no gods at all. When we go to Planned Parenthood and we tell them, listen, this is murder. You need to repent. There is a God who cares for those uh, babies in the womb. When we say stuff like that, that is actually how we get to these authorities. When we go to other religious places, that means like mosque. Yeah, yeah, see, see, that's where society starts to, the, the, the fragile little strings that hold us together start to break apart. Because everyone believes different things, but everyone's trying to act like they believe the same thing. Everyone's trying to act like peace, peace. Listen, man, God ain't trying to bring peace, peace unless it's with a sword. So we have to get that. When we preach to the Muslims, when we preach to the, to the Buddhists, when we preach to the LGBT, uh, LGBT community, we're not, we're not just trying to hold hands with them. We're not just trying to say, I'm going to love you to the kingdom. We're not just saying, hey, listen, man, I'm, I just want to be your friend. I don't want to do anything but be your friend. Paul had no friends in Ephesus. Get that through your mind. Paul had no friends in Ephesus. He was not trying to make connections. He was not trying to win favor. That man was trying to do one and one thing only, establish the kingdom of God. That was the only thing he was trying to do. And you see, this is what got him to the authorities. If we, uh, are we there? Yes. So after that, you see, Paul ain't done. Paul ain't done. He poured himself out like a wine offering. That's what he said. His life was the Lord's, to live as Christ, to die as gain. This was no backslidden, I'm struggling with my walk Christianity. This was, I know who God is, I know who my Lord is, and I'm going to do what he says Christianity. So he goes, and he's preaching into the Jews, and the Jews are angry at him. Why are the Jews angry at him? Well, because he's been doing this in every synagogue, in every city that he's gone to. Telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ and that the law has been fulfilled. And now these people, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they don't need, they can quit their jobs now and follow Jesus. You don't need that authority anymore. I have a greater one. It's Jesus. So they're getting angry. They're mad. And listen, I want to let you know, in the Bible, you know who the biggest snitches are? Those religious Jews. 
Those Pharisees, they were some snitches. They snitched on Jesus, got him crucified. Hey, man, he's claiming to be king, you know what I'm saying? Like, right? No. They're doing the same thing to Paul now. They're snitching, selling, uh, saying lots of things about him that are, that are wrong, saying that he's a Jew and he doesn't respect the culture and he's trying to take people away from their tradition and everything. And they're saying it in a way that's accusing Paul of being this mean type of dude that hates them. But Paul, he's like, no, man, I'm not, that's not me. I haven't done anything. Still, he willingly goes to jail. He submits. He submits. Why does he submit, though? Let's see. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him. And as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus, I mean, as he spoke about how to help the community, I mean, as he spoke about, you know, relationship dating for Christians, wait, wait, he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus to a governor? He didn't speak about, like, the church facility, how big it is, how many members he has. He didn't talk about his four kids and his dog and his big house in the suburbs. No, he didn't. What did he talk about? Faith in Christ Jesus. And he continued to talk. As Paul talked about kindness and being selfless and being a good person. Is that what Paul said? No, he said righteousness, self-control, and judgment. That's what he said. That's what he said to that man who had power supposedly over his life. See, Paul wasn't playing games. He heard what Jesus said. He heard what Jesus said. I'm gonna get, the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. But a lot of Christians be like, bro, bro, bro. Man, dial it down a little bit. Chill. He doesn't even know Jesus. You got to explain to him, like, you know, that God loves him. And that, you know, there's, there's, there's something good about him. There's a purpose in his life. You know, there's something special about Felix. Felix, that's a nice name. That's a nice name. No, he wasn't. Matter of fact, dude, he scared, he scared the toga out of Felix. He scared the toga off of Felix. Felix was afraid. This man was trembling. He was scared. And he said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it, for, when I find it convenient, I'll send for you. Gosh. Man, Paul, why you got to be so mean? At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So he thought, man, man, you know, I can get the Christians on my side. There can be some more peace and security. There can be some more order. Man, if I just get you, you know what I'm saying? Like, the people that follow you, they'll listen, you know? Come on, man, you got a bribe or anything? Listen, Paul was not falling for that. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor, everybody say favor, to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. That man, for two years... I mean, some of y'all, when your mama tells you to come and clean the dishes two days in a row, you're like, dang, that's already enough. Think about it. You're in prison. You're praying. You're rejoicing. And all of a sudden, Felix wants you. Okay, for sure, man. You know, like two years up and down, back and forth, talking to this man. But he didn't waver in his message. He didn't waver in his message. It, would all, it was always about faith in Christ Jesus. It was always about righteousness. It was always about self-control. It was always about judgment. That's what he told the rulers and authorities. That's what he told them. And for two years, he told them that. You see, a lot of preachers, what they'll do, a lot of pastors, what they'll do, a lot of churches, what they'll do, is that while this person who's supposed to be God's servant is persecuting other churches, what they'll do is they'll walk hand in hand with them. Christians just have to be nice to you. You're so nice, Lori. You're so nice, Pritzker. We just got to listen to you because you're so all-knowing. 
goodness gracious, what would I do without you? Here, I know you just said a whole lot of stuff about churches. Uh, uh, Obama, you just call us Easter worshipers instead of Christians. Oh, oh okay, Trump, you said sec- uh, two Corinthians. Sad to throw that in. <laughs> you know, I think about, Paul, dude, Trump had literally a whole congregation praying for him at the White House. Did you guys see that? You guys saw that? Man, I wonder how many people just said, like, I want to preach to this dude. I want to preach to this guy. Like, like. Dude, I just wish, because he's giving you that moment, you're in the presence of the ruling authority. What is the Holy Spirit saying? And say, so you got people like Paula White saying, well, if I say no to Trump, it's like saying no to God. I know. No, we're actually there to say no to them. And don't try to bring the Old Testament in here. When they brought Daniel up in here, Daniel told them the business. He didn't receive the business. So we have to understand our place. We have to understand what has been given to us to do our responsibility. We have to understand that. You see, because it's not about their favor, it's about his favor. The Jews received a favor from Felix, but who received a favor from God? It was Paul. See, so many pastors, they just want favor from him. Well, we got to get favor from them. Man, we've had so much favor in this community. We have two parking lots, three parking lots. We have four buildings. So much favor. The whole time they haven't rebuked the people giving them favor. We're not supposed to be best friends with the world. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to love the world. You ever, uh, just today uh, in first service, I was talking about eye boogers. Because I had an eye booger and I knew it. I just felt it. I'm not used to first service. Praise, Praise God for those people. Amen. Praise God for those people. But you ever had an eye booger or even a booger? And your friend that you love and admire doesn't tell you anything. You know in their hearts, right, they just want to be nice with me. <laughs> They're just flattery, right? But then you got that one friend that says, dude, you look ugly. Like, what you doing? You look crusty, right? Maybe they won't be as blunt as that. That's my wife. That's my wife. She's my friend that does that. <laughs> I can't go nowhere without, like, some type of critique. But it's all love. It's all love. It's all love. Right? She helped me out. But they claim to be like, you know, like, I love the community. I love, I love the alderman. I love this person. I love this ruler. I love this authority. But they never spread the gospel. They never talk about faith in Jesus. They never talk about righteousness, judgment, and self-control. Never. Because they, they just want the favor. They just want the favor. They want big buildings. They want events outside so everybody can see them. They want to look good, but they don't want to do good. We have to understand that that's not what Paul was about. That's not what Paul was about. If I can have uh, Vinny to the keys, please. You see, Jesus, Paul, and Peter heavily critiqued the government, and they heavily resisted the government. However, what did Paul do? He submitted, and he got arrested. What was his purpose? You ever think about why Paul was so, like, just obliged to submit? Why was he? It's because he wasn't just thinking about Ephesus. He was thinking about Rome. And Rome was the center of the world. Think about it. They didn't know about the Americas. I want you guys to understand this. At that time, they did not know about the Americas. Maybe they had an idea. I don't know. Right? But in their writings, they really don't say like they know. So if you're, if you're preaching from Jerusalem and you're going all the way to Rome, that's the whole world. That's the whole world. You see, Paul wanted to spread the gospel to the whole world. And he stayed in prison 
And he stayed in chains. And he said, I'm, a I'm, a, I'm in chains to the gospel. Why? Not, that, not so that he could just preach here and there and everything, but he wanted to preach to the emperor. You see, Paul wasn't thinking, I'm just going to stay quiet. I'm going to stay low. I'm going to dodge these rulers and authorities and these police and everything. No, he's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to get in jail. I'm going to go all the way to the emperor. He said, I want to see the emperor take me to Rome. Because he knew if he preached to Rome, he preached to the emperor of Rome, and he got saved, all of Rome is getting saved. All of Rome is getting saved. Christians are no longer getting persecuted. You see, it's it, we're done. We're done. We can't play nice anymore. You see, because Christians are losing faith because they don't have a strong leader. They're not looking at Jesus. They're looking at these phony, baloney pastors. But I'm looking at Jesus. I'm looking at Paul. I'm looking at Peter. I'm looking at the leaders in this church. You see, we have to be bold in our faith, and we can't compromise. A lot of you guys came to our church during COVID. Listen, our church has been preaching the gospel, and we've been doing everything you see we were doing. Nothing's been new doing that for 10 years but why did we end up on the news why did we end up on the news why did we end up getting letters from Lori Lightfoot why did Governor Pritzker mention us in other churches it's because we defied him it's because we defied them you see the Bible says do not forsake the gathering of believers you see our faith is attached to ourselves a lot of people think I don't got to go to church to worship God dude all right, we're going to just tell the Christians of China then that they go underground, that they worship in the dark, in caves, in prison, where they're desperate to meet. These Christians in America, we've gotten twisted. We've gotten twisted. We've been trying to be so nice that we've forgotten that we have to be like Christ. So how do we get to these authorities? By defying them. Rightly, though, biblically, not throwing, a rocks through, not throwing rocks to the window and taking the Nikes from the Nike store. We're not doing that. But understand the gospel had no concern for Paul's well-being. Now, when I say things like that, I don't mean that, you know, God hate, hated Paul. And when I say things like gospel, the gospel had no concern for the prosperity of a community, we as Christians, we have to care for people. Yes, feed the needy and the poor, the widows and the orphan. Of course. But what's the main concern of the gospel? That people believe it. That people believe it. So Paul goes to Rome. We go to Lori. And we, we, we did not listen to her. Governor Prisker, this order that he sent, ends up on a video saying, well, it was just a suggestion. You see, a lot of these, these leaders, they're not God's servants. And we have to wake up to that. They're not doing things for your good. They're doing things for their benefits. And we have to wake up to it. I don't care if they're conservative. I don't care if they're liberal. Listen, are you God's servant? Yes or no? Are you doing things for my good, our good, the church's good? Yes or no? Because then I'll keep my end of the bargain. Listen, sometimes it's not the government. Sometimes it's the society that you live in. We think about the riots that happened at Nini's Deli. Juan and Jose being driven out of town. A lot of people knew about us at that time now. A lot of people say that, man, you're just an infamous church. Listen, if that means infamous, then I want to be infamous. If that's what being infamous means, I want to be infamous. If, if tearing up the fabric of a community that worships idols is infamous, then make me infamous. Because it's not about me and my life, these, this vapor that I call a life. This is about eternity. 
This is about the gospel. This is not about my kingdom, his kingdom, their kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. So when the riots happen at Nini's, we continue to preach. We continue to preach. The favor of the city was not on us at that time. It was going to other cities. I mean, other churches. And other churches were welcoming it. But listen, I tell you this, this is not to boast in the church, but this is the boast and the example that Paul set right here. You see, because Paul, he was constantly getting in trouble. And it's a good trouble. I know we tell our kids, don't get in trouble. We tell our kids, hey, listen, just stay out of trouble. But there gets to a certain point where the trouble is actually good, where the trouble is actually what God wants. You see, because when a nation is so comfortable in sin, so comfortable with disobeying God, you got to shake something up. you got to do something to help them understand you're not serving the one who gave you that position. You're doing it wrong. And that's where Christians come along. That's where Paul came along. That's where Peter came along. If I could have uh, the altar workers come up, please, and if everyone could stand up. This is how we have, this is how we have to live this out, okay? Because I'm not giving you a license to, to go to a mosque and just kick the door down and then say, hey, listen, y'all worshiping a false prophet. I am not saying that here. Understand that. But I am telling you, you go to that mosque and you preach and you tell every person coming out of that building, every person coming in that building, repent, follow Jesus, be shrewd Christians, submit, yes. What does it mean to submit though? This is how you submit. You love your neighbor as yourself and you behave decently. You give what is due. Police come in, you're preaching. You're living life, and you feel like they're bothering you, you give the honor when honors do. But if the kingdom of God is not being met, that's when you resist. We'll get to that, though. So love your neighbor as yourself. Behave decently. Then clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Picture that right now. Paul constantly tells us to clothe ourselves with a new self. Clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's saying that when it comes to Romans 13. That means in our lives, in our jobs, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, we are not to clothe ourselves with the identity that the world gives us. We're not to clothe ourselves with uh, our ethnicity. Because guess what? If you're best friends with someone based off their ethnicity and you won't preach the gospel to them, you know where that idol is in your life. You see, that's why a lot of people have trouble preaching to rulers and authorities because they're holding hands with them. They're too friendly with them. So clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's kindness, there's love, there's gentleness, there's humility, but there's boldness, there's power. There's a lack of regard for self and a concern for the kingdom. That is how we submit. Really simple. It's not just blindly following everything that's told to us. No, there's a way. Then we resist. So submit, resist. How do we resist? We utterly, completely, totally reject the social norms that people are trying to put on Christianity. They try to take Jesus, and they try to make him some socialistic, hippie-loving, weed-smoking guy who affirms everything. They try to take our Jesus and put him in Islam. They try to take our Jesus and put him in Buddhism, put it in Hinduism. And we have to understand that we reject that utterly. That is where we resist the culture. That is where we resist society. 
And then we preach the gospel, not just to those people, but to the governments, the rulers, and the authorities. Authorities at your school. That's right. Students should be preaching to their teachers. There are testimonies of teachers being saved because students have preached to them. You should be preaching to your bosses, not just kissing up to them. Because there are testimonies of bosses getting saved through the preaching of their employers or employees. You should be preaching to your aldermans. You should be preaching to your governments. This is how we resist. And last but not least, resist. We submit to God and resist the devil. We submit to God and resist the devil. If we can go to the conclusion, please. Because this is how it is. The Christian, the Christian is always, always submitting and resisting in their life. Always submitting and resisting. We submit to the kingdom of God and we resist anything that is opposed to it. We are always submitting to the kingdom of God and we are always resisting anything that is opposed to it. So this is the altar call. If you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen, God does not want us to be afraid. If you have been in the season afraid of proclaiming the gospel, preaching to your friends, this is a time to repent, change your mind, and receive boldness. Receive boldness. Receive courage. If you have been in fear of the authorities, been in fear of the society that is with us, this is time for you to be free from that. God wants you to be bold. He wants you to be courageous. And for some of you that don't know Jesus and you're not a part of the kingdom of God, this is real simple. Jesus, he died on the cross and he resurrected on the third day. That means he has defeated death. You see, he has disarmed every authority, every ruler, every power in the heavenly realms. That means your depression can be killed and buried. Your anger, your sin can be buried and killed. And you can be lifted up in new life with Jesus. All you have to do is confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised from the dead. So Christians, don't be afraid. This is the time to receive boldness. This is the time to advance the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Continue to pray.